You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, buying the block and creating legacy through real estate investing with Kiara and Khalil, the Charm City Buyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Super excited to have you here. And if you're actually listening to this, like the week it comes out. So this comes out the first week in 2020. Welcome to the new year. I hope it's been amazing so far for you and that you're excited about what's to come, what's unfolding, all the things that are happening for you. And as it is my duty now, I feel that I need to share with you stories, whether it's my own story or other people's stories, lifting up voices and experiences that you can actually see yourself in, that you can be inspired and not just inspired, motivated by so that you can reach your financial goals and ultimately your life goals. So this episode, I am going to be talking to Kiara and Khalil of the Charm City Buyers and their story is super inspiring. They first purchased a property in 2012 in Connecticut, but they had a vision, a big vision of building their own empire. And so they started to do just that. And with no formal training or education in terms of real estate, they have built their own blueprint for success. So they have bought 20 rental properties and essentially bought a block in Baltimore, Maryland. And it's really been amazing to watch their success. And you'll hear that they literally started with nothing. And they just knew that they wanted to learn. They wanted more and they're doing just that. And now they're creating a legacy and teaching others how to do the same. So I'm really excited that you get to hear this episode. So if you have any more questions or you want more things that we talk about in the episode, you can go to the episode show notes. So you can type in journeytolaunch.com slash episode 134. So it's episode 134. If you go to that, You'll be able to basically find any of the links that we mentioned to find more about how to get in touch with Kiara and Khalil and more about what they're doing. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm at Journey to Launch everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So if you want to keep up, let me know. I love when you screenshot that you're listening and share it on your social channels. So that is the biggest way that we get this podcast out there. So when you do that, tag me at Journey to Launch so I know that you're listening I really try to read each and every one. And then that just keeps me motivated. I'm like, all right, Jamila, let's keep on bringing this content. So if you're liking what you're hearing, don't forget to share it with me. And without further ado, let's hop into this amazing conversation with Kiara and Khalil. Okay, journeyers, I am bringing you a conversation that I really think you'll learn a lot from and be hopefully inspired by. I'm sitting down with Kiara and Khalil from Charm City Buyers, and they're kind of like hashtag or a thing that stands out is that you you buy the block, you bought the block, right? That's your thing. And so you guys are real estate moguls, investors, entrepreneurs, and people always ask me about wanting to invest in real estate, how to get started, how do they scale if maybe they just own a home but want to leverage that to do something else. And so I thought you guys would be the perfect people to come on the show and talk about that. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So excited to be here. 
So first, let's talk about where you currently are, right? I always like kind of starting with that. It's like, let's show the receipts. Let's show what's like, what's going on. And then working backwards on how you came to be and how you, you got to this point. So what's your current real estate portfolio like? What do you do? I know you work in the city of Baltimore. Uh, and so I love that about your story too, because that's your home city. And yeah, I just want to hear more about what you're currently doing with your portfolio. Yeah. So we're staying extremely busy. So we have our 20 rental units. Um, that keep us nice and busy, primarily in Baltimore City, all over the city. Um, and then we also have several active renovation projects. So outside of those rentals, we have properties that we are renovating to sell. So we have six active right now, which keep us definitely on our toes with managing contractors and everything else. And then what's really, really interesting at the stage that we are in right now is that we kind of went from rentals and and managing tenants and building communities that way to renovating to sell and really pushing communities forward. And now it's more so how do we leverage our experience, our relationships and the things that we've done this far to really partner with the city, the communities at large on doing large scale, monumental impact development on Baltimore City at large which is really, really exciting and stuff that we don't typically talk about on IG, but that's where we're at right now. It's so much fun. I mean, we're at a place right now where it's, um, you know, we could have stayed in a rental space and then we've been perfectly fine, right? Continue to grow by one a year, two a year, and just kind of coast it out. House hack, all kinds of different strategies. We could have stayed in a flip space, Mm -hmm. keep flipping properties, get a nice little pop, return, only go after market properties that work, um, and we could have stayed there. But now we're at a place where because we're young, because we're hungry, because we want to keep developing communities, we can take it to the next level and really make some true impacts. Yeah, I love that. I have a love for real estate. You know, I actually have my master's in real estate because I worked in corporate kind of investing real estate as an asset manager in my corporate life before I quit my job. Then I also ended up buying something really young and in an unknown area at the time, but now it's the place to live and be in one of the most expensive areas to live. So I know the power of real estate, like what it can do. And so I see that basically you guys have transitioned and I'd love to hear how you started, right? You had to have baby steps or you had to start somewhere. So what was that first investing experience like for you? And how did you decide on real estate? What made you go that route? So real estate was kind of my... I guess, goal, my passion, something I was really interested in very young. And so as Khalil and I kind of started to build this journey together and figure out like, what is this man trying to do in my life? (laughs) We started to talk about what my goals were, what his goals were, and started to try to align them. And part of that conversation was my interest in real estate and how I thought that real estate was super cool, a great way to build wealth, something I was really interested and passionate about. And he was very entrepreneurial and was about the numbers and was looking to um, create a life for himself that was going to help transition outside of a nine to five and give him a a life of, of flexibility and to be able to work hard and seek the benefits of that work. And so together, we started to define our vision and the goals for what we wanted to accomplish as a couple and real estate checked a lot of boxes. And so that's kind of what led us to real estate initially. That very first deal actually was not in Baltimore because fresh out of college, I moved to Connecticut 
um, for a really great corporate job. And I was going to climb the corporate ladder and all of that. And so he polluted my mind with entrepreneurship. Um, <laughs> and so we were in Connecticut because Khalil came up because I'm kind of cool and he wanted to come spend time with me. Thanks. And so he moved from Baltimore to Connecticut just to be in my presence. While we were up there, because he moved up there, right? It was it was a really great time for us to define like what is it that we're going, to, what are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish together? Because I think for me personally, and this is a whole nother conversation, I think that it's important to think about marriage. It's all lovey-dovey and all that cool stuff, but it's also a contract and, and a business. And so wh- how do we define what we're trying to build together? And so while we're in Connecticut, we bought that first deal. We sat on real estate, bought a property with me within maybe four months or so, bought a three-unit shell that we were going to wholesale like everyone else who's starting real estate thinks they're going to wholesale and make a bunch of cash super fast and super easy with no money, no knowledge, and no time. And so um, we um, we were going to you know wholesale this, this three-unit shell in Hartford. And what we learned really quickly was that it was in the hood. And so much in the hood that we sat on the porch of our newly purchased cash purchased home, super prideful at 22 and 23, when a neighbor pulled, you know, drove past or walked past and said, did you guys just buy this house? And we're like, yeah, we did. You know, we just bought this house. We're new owners over here. And he's like, don't you know this street is called murder? And we were like, it's called what now? Like, excuse me. <laughs> and so um, we realized very quickly that we bought in a neighborhood that had a very negative reputation, one that we did drive past in different times of the day. We had gone to the house several times. We kind of went through all the process that people showed. But what's funny is we felt comfortable in a neighborhood that a lot of other people didn't. And so when we tried to wholesale, we realized that folks weren't seeing the, the vision and weren't recognizing the quality of the numbers to the level that we did and understood. And so very quickly, we transitioned from trying to wholesale and making a quick buck to trying to show everyone who told us that it couldn't be done how it's done. And so we took that three-unit shell, was able to to do some networking, make the right connections, and renovated, did a $120,000 renovation to that three-unit shell. Um, We still own it to this day, and it makes us a a pretty little coin from that first deal. But we kind of had to go through all the bumps and bruises of the first deal, some scrapes and bleeds and tears and everything else, right? But had to kind of go through this full transition and journey of figuring out, you know, how to take what we thought we wanted to do to full implementation and really seeking through how do you adjust to make your goals happen, regardless of the things that you're going through throughout the journey. And that is kind of the hard knock life that we we started in in state. So can we just step back just a little bit with this first property, right? And so with this property, you mentioned um, you bought it. Was this something you bought all cash? How did you finance the first property? Sure. So let's break it down a little bit. I moved back home right after college, shared a room with my brother, had a 94 Cavalier. It was 2010. I mean, really took the sacrifice route. I hated that car. Hated that car. (laughs) But I needed that car because I knew I was entrepreneurial. Listen, these employers are not loyal. Right. At all. Right. <laughs> and I knew that long term, I needed to work for myself and I wanted Kiara to ride with me on that journey. So moved back home, shared a room with my older brother, drove a bum car, just worked and didn't go anywhere, didn't travel, didn't go out, didn't do anything. Right. 
stacked about $20,000, moved to Connecticut, and then Kiera put her money together with mine. We bought the first one cash. We didn't have a um, a trust fund. Right. We had self-created our own nest egg. I knew that six months after college, no student loan payment. So I really used that time wisely. And we were able to, to sacrifice. I believe so strongly in delayed gratification. I mean, like years of delayed gratification. It doesn't matter. However long it takes to get to that ultimate goal is what has to happen. So right. we bought a cash. So we were in first. Sorry. Nobody was in first position. We owned it free and clear. Right. So when we went to this nonprofit uh, to finance it, they were so excited and said, hey, we can have first position. That's awesome. Great. That's what everybody wants. Meaning if something happens wrong, they are the first ones to get paid back. Of course, there are property taxes that get paid back first and water bills and all those types of things. But in terms of hard debt, uh, they were in first position, which is great for them. It's fine for us. Uh, raised the 20 grand. And then, um, you know, we, we've always been prideful of creative financing. We, we minimize the property taxes through a blighted tax credit, which helps us keep our cash flow high and keep our monthly expenses low. And then we were able to tell our story, right? If your expenses are about $1,200 and you're bringing in about $2,400, you can quickly roll that into the next property and start telling people and then they get excited about it too. And you're young and you're ambitious and you're married and you're black and all these good things that make us great people, I think. Yeah. So, okay. Now you said something and I want to just like touch upon that. So you said you guys graduated with student loans? Yes. Yeah. And can I ask you guys what you graduated and started doing? What was your full-time jobs? Yeah. So I graduated college and moved to Connecticut to um, join a leadership development program at a Fortune 50 company. So I was super corporate. Yeah, Kiara was super <laughs> corporate. She was on a path. No question about it. She was ready to climb the ladder. I graduated and went into an HR department with a travel agency. <laughs> nice, nice. So you knew that you would soon have to start paying back student loans, but you had a six month grace period. So you took that time after college to save up now the funds to buy this first property cash, basically. Yep, exactly. Right. Now you said wholesaling. So I just want to like go back and talk about the difference like between wholesaling and eventually what you did. So can you just define for listeners what wholesaling is? Yes, absolutely. So wholesaling is when you get a property under contract. So you're able to negotiate a really great discounted deal on a property, and then you sell your rights to purchase that property to someone else for a fee. And so you're able to work directly with a seller to identify a property, negotiate a price, get that under contract. So you have a purchase and agreement um, with that seller, and then you assign your rights to purchase that property to an end buyer for a fee. Right. Now, how did you guys know to even do any of this at 22 and 23? Was there someone in the neighborhood, someone in your family that you saw doing this? Like, for example, what got me to fall in love with real estate was the fact that my grandmother, who could care less about real estate, happened to buy something when it was like worth not a lot of money. And when I came of age and realized that, I was like, wow, if my grandmother could do this from her beginnings and come to here from Jamaica with absolutely nothing, I should be able to do something. So that's what kind of inspired me. What was like the... like the inspiration for you to even know to go this route? Yeah. So in general, I grew up in a very rural town in Pennsylvania. So I watched land being sold and then housing developers build new construction on that land. So I was, I fell in love very quickly with the transition, the beginning to end, seeing something start as nothing and become something else. And so that kind of gave me this whole infatuation with real estate and why we probably do the ugliest houses in Baltimore and transition them into something really beautiful. 
in general. More specifically, I nor Khalil have anyone that has invested in real estate, anything like us. Because I had kind of that passion of real estate, I started to do some digging. We did attend some RIA meetings early on to just kind of hear the terms, get around some other people that were interested in real estate, doing real estate. They might not have done it like us or what we aim to do, but it was always good to be in the room and network with people with a similar vision. And so we are definitely very, very studious of the School of Hard Knocks. And so we kind of learned as we went and really pushed ourselves to figure out how to make our vision happen and constantly surround ourselves with people who are either headed where we were going or have been where we wanted to to go to. Yeah. I mean, listen, if, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you are taking the first step that we took, right? You got to build that knowledge base. That's so key, so critical, so important to starting anything, whether it's school, whether it's something else, it doesn't matter, but you got to build that knowledge base so that uh, you can start taking advantage of this stuff and put yourself in a position where long-term you're successful. Right. And you said RIA, which is Real Estate Investors Association. So that's something that anyone could join if they're interested in learning more. Yeah, definitely. Real estate associations, there's ones in, in darn near every major city um, all over the country. And not only that, are there RIA meetings. There's also a lot of real estate groups on like meetup.com. So there's tons of resources to find groups in your local area that are meeting regularly, talking about real estate, aiming to learn more, do more as a group so that you can constantly be around people who are trying to learn. I love that. And and a lot of this stuff is, like you said, you do have to do some digging or researching, but this is a good first step for a lot of people. So now you were able to renovate this property. Where were you guys? Were you just renting somewhere while you were doing this in Connecticut? Yeah, actually, we rented until we probably had about seven or eight units before we actually bought our first personal home. And that was just because we were starting to transition to leave um, our full time job. So we decided we need to go ahead and get that uh, FHA mortgage before we did that. But yeah, we were still renters. Right. Okay. So how did you then transition from this one property, right, that you still own and being able to then now get the next one? What was that second property experience like? Sure. So we came back home after the first property, uh, excited because our daughter was on the way. Uh, We wanted to be closer to friends and family and everybody else. And when we came back home in July of 2013 is when I finally came back. Kiara had been back uh, a few weeks before, maybe a month or so. We started telling our story immediately. It was there was no hesitation, no waiting. We set up meetings. We started talking to people about what we were doing, why we were doing it, how we were doing it. And most importantly, how they could get involved. Heard a lot of no's, heard some yeses. And we purchased our second property here in Baltimore in October of 2013. So three months later, after we finally got settled in and had Michaela. Yeah. So we bought our second property um, was um, actually seller finance, which means that we were able to negotiate with the seller to basically hold a note is what they call it. So rather than pay that seller $26,000, I think it was, um, to purchase a property, we instead decided to pay them, I think it was around $12,000 down and maybe like $600 a month for for about three years or something like that. And so we're able to negotiate kind of a a more creative financing again, right? So our first deal, we used um, a nonprofit lender. The second deal, we did seller financing. And then we're able to use um, the rest of our funds to do some renovations. We put probably about $15,000 worth of renovation into that house to be all in around 40 grand. 
let me just take a quick caveat. The first deal, we use nonprofit financing for the debt, and we use the tax credit to keep the property tax low. The second property, we use seller financing as well as uh, private lender. Private lender. Mm-hmm. Right. So with the seller financing, what motivated or what motivates a seller to do that? Right. Like how does one now find these creative opportunities if they're looking for properties? Is that something done a lot now today or it depends on the type of market and where you're looking? Yeah, I think it's all about, honestly, a lot of what happens in real estate is a lot about being able to build relationships. Right. So when you're able to go directly to sellers and build relationships with sellers directly, you're able to really discuss and identify what is driving your seller to sell and what are some of the opportunities to not only solve their issues or problems or concerns that drive them to want to sell, but also help to solve the challenges that you have yourself, whether it's with funding or wanting to preserve your cash or what have you. So I think seller financing is something that can happen in any market if you know how to market, how to build relationships and have confident conversations about building your deals out well. For this property in particular, it was actually, um, rarely enough, it was actually um, an auction house, a property that was being auctioned. And we just had the audacity to ask the auctioneer to sell or finance it. And I think that's part of it too, is just understanding and being willing to hear no and be able to move on and let it roll off your back um, and being willing to just ask the question. So it just worked out for this deal specifically. It was something we were specifically looking for. It was a seller finance a deal. And we um, were able to find one, negotiate it, and make it happen. So why do people sell or finance? A few reasons. One, they have no other options. If nobody else is going to purchase it or nobody else is going to lend on it or they can't get a, a FHA loan or a conventional loan to purchase it, they're just limited by their options. Two, Oftentimes, people know themselves well enough to know that they can't handle a lump sum of money. They'll blow it all away. They'd rather have a steady stream of income or they don't want to pay enormous amounts of capital gains taxes. And they'd rather slowly have that money over the course of months or years um, uh, as opposed to one lump sum check. So there are several different reasons why a seller financing scenario works. It happens all the time. And we ask the question. Right. And it's just like you said, the audacity to ask. Sometimes that's all it takes. Right. You're just like, wait, I wonder if this can work. And you'd be surprised. And this is just in life, honestly. Like how many people will be like, sure, why not? And you're like, wait a second. All I had to do was just ask the question. Absolutely. Closed mouths don't get fed. <laughs> right. And you know what's important, though? Sometimes you need to understand what question to ask. And I think for so many people, they don't even know it's a possibility. They don't even know the question. Yep. And so I'm hoping with conversations like this in your platform, what my platform does, it, it gives it, it gets people's wheels turning and they see the possibilities. Did you save the money from the first property and then like that and from your jobs because you were still working at that point to then help fund the next real estate deal? So I'm just curious to know, like, how does one go from just like one or two properties to all the rentals that you currently have? Absolutely. So we talk about waterfall. So letting one property pay for the next and let all of those pay for the next, right? So the fact that we started with a multi definitely put us in a really great position to scale a little bit more quickly because we had the level of cash flow that we did with that first deal. And so we did kind of build up some cash flow from the first deal to help pay for the second, as well as letting our nine to five pay for our five to nine, right? So we worked full time, both of us, and we're reinvesting not only money from the business, but also investing our own cash into the business as well. And so with those two funding sources, we're able to buy the second, the third, and kind of continue on from there. 
Now, how are you with your personal finances, right? So you guys are very, you know, smart when it comes to real estate investing. And, and you know, a lot of people are smart, you know, quote unquote, like there's so, all of us are smart, right? But then there's some disconnects sometimes when it comes to personal finance. Were you focused on paying off student loan debt or your rates were so low that you weren't even considering that? What was your thoughts or how were you managing like the personal side of finances at that point? At that time, we were super young. Um, recently married with an infant um, as we were buying that second deal. Our, Michaela was only a few months old. And so we had to be vigilant about our personal finances. And we were always talking about the fact that it's critical that you are managing your personal finances well before you're really looking to manage the finances of a business. And so for me, I was an econ finance major in college. So kind of understanding kind of numbers and how things work was really important to me. And Khalil is definitely the, um, can I call it frugal? One of the let's, two of us. Let's call, the fi- let's call it financial defense. What, yes. Right. I like that. I like that. Yeah. That is a good one. So he's financial defense. I'm financial offense, right? So I'm going to focus on kind of bringing it in. He's going to make sure that it stays there. And so that's kind of how we we balance each other's strengths out from a personal financial perspective. Definitely focus on making sure that we had access to capital when and if we need it. So from a credit perspective, making sure that we were where we needed to be constantly. Um, so if we needed a bank or if we wanted to buy a personal home or whatever it was, that we were positioned to do so. So personal financing has always been at the forefront, because at the end of the day, we have a child and she got to eat, got to go to daycare, do whatever she needs to do first before we we worry about everything else. So when did you make the decision? Because you both now run the business full time. So when did you make the decision or how long did it take for you to say we can do this full time now? So Kiara, chivalry is not dead. Let me start there. (laughs) Um, I always wanted Kiara to stop first. She was the breadwinner, competent, savvy, ready to, to rock and roll. So in 2016, just before the summer, she left her full-time position, did some consulting work with them, mm-hmm. um, but uh, made sure that, that she was positioned to successfully run the business full-time. I left the official business world in February of 2017, so a few months later, and we were both running the business full-time until I got tapped by a commercial developer who wanted to expand their residential portfolio and heard about the things that I was doing. So I, I talked to them for a little bit, and next thing you know, I'm learning this commercial development world which has been really cool with the official steps, putting us in a room with all kinds of different people from Baltimore City uh, Department of Housing to all types of uh, grant programs and uh, for-profit lenders and all types of different things. And taking that information from, quote unquote, the big boys and segueing it directly into our business for strategic and long-term growth uh, has me pretty excited to be in this commercial development world. Yeah, so we were both full-time in Charm City Bar specifically, but we decided together that it made sense to take advantage of this other opportunity to learn more of the commercial development side to help, you know, we talk about kind of planning out our business. Cool's kind of working on our five to 10-year plan with their commercial developers as I kind of manage what's happening now and in the next uh, few years or so. And what's funny is that it's it's more, and we're going to disagree on this a little bit, but it's, <laughs> it's more like the... One to, to three year plan okay. for me. <laughs> yeah, he's saying we could do this a lot sooner. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Right. All right. So when it came to then deciding that it, you could make this work, Kiara, or you know, making that joint decision, what made you feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, we can do this. You know, we, I, we have a child, but there's enough income. There's enough growth opportunity here that I see that there is a lot of room for us to try this full time. 
So I, I actually really loved and enjoyed my job. I was working in an organization that I really respected with owner, uh, the owner I sat next to every day, really respected what they were doing, what they were trying to accomplish, and was excited about helping them through their journey. The challenge became when I was struggling between building my empire and building our goals and building someone else's. And so I not only had to make kind of that personal decision because the, you know, you think about leaving your full-time job, right? The money was good. So I had to to really make a decision. But, um, But at that point, we probably had maybe about 11 or 12 units. Um, at that time. And so that was steady. And then we were managing a flip at the time as well, and kind of had some big opportunities upcoming where my attention on where we were heading was really, really conflicting with my time sitting at someone else's office. And so it was kind of like we we got to a crossroads between where we were headed and, and how quickly we wanted to get there. And so we took the risk, right? And that's exactly what it was. We took the risk to um, transition out, definitely leveraged or, uh, you know, really hedged that risk, hedged that bet a bit by me staying on my, you know, with my previous employer as a consultant for a while um, to help make sure that we were able to to transition. Now, did they ask you to stay on or, or did you offer that to them? Both me leaving abruptly would have been a a very big challenge to them. And I didn't want to put them in in a position. And again, we had a great relationship and they were very supportive in my transition because I actually interviewed with them, telling them that my goal was to leave and run my real estate business full time before I was 30. And I left at around 27. So it was a little early, but they knew where I was headed. I was very transparent with them. So they were very supportive and allowed me to to consult, which was helpful to them as well, but just gave us that kind of bridge into full-time entrepreneurship. Again, the audacity to ask. Right. I love that. I think we're going to write a book, The Audacity to Ask. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a great title. So I would suggest you do that before someone else that listens to this takes that. (laughs) But no, you know, and I bring that part up and I asked you if they are the ones that brought that idea to you because it's crazy how idea or opportunities uh, happen for you, right? Where you think, well, they would never let that happen. Or, you know, you want some more flexibility. And it's the moment that you decide, you know what, I'm ready to kind of give that up or move on that more doors open for you because you're in a position of power, you're in a position to really make choices that can move you forward. And you're actually going to stick to whatever like choice you make. So I love that, that part of it. So I know a lot of people are listening, like they might say to themselves, well, what you're doing is great, right? So you might have someone listening that says, I want to have a real estate empire too. And you might have someone that says, you know what? I don't need all that. I just need to like get a couple properties, cash flow, like get some cash flow from them. And so would you say that it really starts off from the same place? And how does one, if they're just starting out or wanting to maybe leverage their current home, if that's even something they should consider, like what would be the next steps for someone to really get more serious about real estate investing? Yeah, I think what's really important, this is something that we work with our next gen, which is our, our mentorship program, we really start with them talking about um, defining your vision and defining your goals. First and foremost, I think it's not enough to say, I think real estate's cool, I should buy a house, but really think about what it is that I'm trying to accomplish and why, and being very specific and intentional about not only thinking through that, but also writing it down. So I think that 
building an empire and buying tons of houses and buying the block and all those types of things sound really, really cool on Instagram, right? But it's not necessarily everyone's mission and goal or should be everyone's mission and goal. And so I think it's really important to understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish and why you're trying to accomplish it before you do anything, right? And so buying properties and and investing in your first deal is something that makes sense. I think it's important to really understand um, or at least gain some understanding on um, what some of the different approaches to investing in real estate are and how those things align with the goal that you just set, right? So if you're you're the type of person that says, I just want to leverage an approach that's going to give me some financial flexibility, I want to pay off some debt, I want to be able to travel, I want flexibility, right? Real estate can help you get there, but maybe you could, rather than trying to buy all the houses on one street, you might be able to say, okay, let me sacrifice for a few years, I can buy a multi-unit home get an FHA mortgage, put three and a half percent down and move into this multi where the other the other um, residents pay my mortgage. I then no longer have probably the highest bill that most people have each month, which is your housing expense. And then take that those funds, save, you know, put towards some of the things that I want to do, like travel. Maybe I'm going to pay off my student loans. Maybe I'm going to do some things that are going to put me on a fast track to financial freedom, right? It doesn't take buying a block to give you financial freedom. It takes really smart, intentional, strategic decisions about how you leverage finances and make financial decisions. Not everyone needs to build an empire, but I think a lot of us need to make better financial decisions. And so I think once you love, once you define what your goals are and really get um, smart about what approaches in real estate you could take to make those goals a reality, you can really start hitting um, some really amazing goals and new heights in what you're trying to accomplish. And one thing you said is that you didn't buy your own property until properties later. And so I think that's important because I think, you know, this idea of the American dream and like buying your own home and like some people look at it like that and that's what they want because they don't want to deal with tenants. They're not about that life. That's great, you know? And I I feel that most people, if you are trying to reach financial freedom or independence and this is a lever you want to pull using real estate to get there, then your first purchase or even if you plan on living in it should still be something you look at from an investment eye where it's just like, all right, I'm only going to live in here for a couple of years. And is this a great market? How do the rents look? What's the growth rate like in terms of all the other statistics you look at when looking at something as an investment? So I think it's important too, because so many people are saying, oh, I want to buy my own home. And they're only looking at it as just that. But then there's so many opportunities. If you look at that home as an investment, like a true investment, you might make different decisions on where you live, how you buy and all those things. Absolutely. I'm usually the first one to say, if you're thinking about investing in real estate or buying your own property specifically, to first turn off the TV, right? So all of the real estate shows that are addicting and super fun to watch, I think a lot of times put people in a position to not think strategically and long-term when they're buying, especially their first home. So most people don't live in their first, first home forever, but most folks also want to try to get every single thing on their wish list when they're buying their house. And so what happens is you really start to veer away from some of the key components to buying your inve- buying property as an investment, which it is. I don't care when you're buying it or or what have you, and start you know buying it as if you're you're a contestant on HGTV. 
And what that does is it, it kind of puts you on a slower path to financial success and leveraging real estate for one of its, its best purposes, which is wealth building. And so if you think about even kind of the, you know, if you're not trying to invest, you don't want to be a landlord, all of these other things, it's important that you at least understand how to think about making some of those decisions as an investor. So you're putting yourself in a position to build that wealth, which is, you know, one of the greatest pieces of investing in real estate. Yeah. And even like you just said, like turn off the TV because so many people are giving up that long-term wealth. They're choosing like the house they can like barely maybe afford and get just because, you know, it's about instant gratification, right? Versus the delayed gratification that can get you something of your, who knows, your wildest dreams. You probably haven't even thought of it yet because you can't even think that big because, you know, it's unfolding for you as you're um, making these decisions. So I love that thought process. Absolutely. Delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. It wins every time. Yeah. Let's also kind of talk about why real estate isn't for everyone. So I was on a um forum and there was a comment about how like nowadays everybody that you hear on a podcast are talking about financial freedom and independence. They are um, using real estate. Like what happened to the normal people who don't want to be real estate investors or be a t- like landlords, right? Part of that is self-selection because if you are doing well in real estate and you now want to share how that works or what you're doing, like you typically can turn that into a business or what that looks like and usually raise your hand then to be more on the forefront, right? Like to be on a podcast or to have a blog or a business. But I, I do agree that not everyone's meant to be a real estate investor or own a home even. I know you talk about goals, but like how does one really decide if that's really a route that they want to go down and take? We 100% agree. It's like college, right? Not everybody is built for college and that's okay. There are other spaces to go. There are things that you can do and be wildly successful without that college education. Same thing with real estate. You can generate wealth, build wealth and accumulate wealth without real estate. There are certainly paths that you can go. For me, I'm, I'm so surrounded with real estate. I don't even know what that conversation looks like, to be completely <laughs> honest. I, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I, I, I'm surrounded with it all day, every day, commercial, residential, creative financing strategies, tactics, funds, availability, like everything is real estate based in my, in my life. You know, maybe Kiara can help out. Yeah, no, I think I think that goals is a, is a really big part of that to define you know, is it right for you or if it's not? I mean, you're each individual per- person is going to understand what works best for them. I think that even if you don't want to be a real estate investor and be a landlord, I think if you're going to own your own personal home, that you at least think of it as a, as an investment and try to make sure you're not maxing yourself out, kind of the conversation that we just had. But if you want to rent and you want to be flexible and you want to kind of do what you want when you want to do, that's, that's fine. I think at the end of the day, you have to make your own decisions for yourself. And at the core of everything, when it comes to financial freedom and kind of putting yourself on a trajectory to be flexible and have success and freedom and whatever else, all the other keywords that we talk about on all of these podcasts, I think that um, it's important that you're setting your goals, you're being very clear about them and, and creating an action plan that works for you so that you can be successful. At the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It matters what what you are aiming to do, what your goals are, and what you're willing to do to make those things happen. Right. And I love how your business has transitioned and like you're, you're doing different types of real estate investing. So 
buying and holding and then also flipping. And now Khalil, you're getting more into the commercial side. And I'd love for you to talk more about like, your work in Baltimore, like what you're doing there and what your vision is and for changing real estate in Baltimore. Yeah. So if you had asked me that question about two years ago, maybe even one year ago, as soon as that, I would have said that the ultimate vision, ultimate goal is like a hundred plus unit multi where we own it with a bunch of other people like-minded and we rent it out and we're all cash flowing and happy and traveling. Nowadays, there's so much need for what Kiara and I offer. And I say that as humbly as possible because like it, it really it's it's a great position to be in where we have the knowledge, we've got the team, we've got the expertise, we've got the funding, we've got kind of all these different components to make it happen. And we know the city really needs it. So being a strategic partner with the housing department at the city um, and being able to leverage all of those different components that we bring to the table for the greater good of Baltimore and and then really cities across the nation. I mean, it's it sounds wild. It sounds like a huge vision, but the next five years, 10 years, I mean, I could I could see some really, really amazing things happening out of this this little couple out of Baltimore and Pennsylvania who happened to buy a property because we were sitting on the couch a couple years ago. Right. Yeah, no, it, it is it is really amazing to kind of go through the transition. And, and what's really, really exciting is that we're able to bring a lot of our um, mentees along with it on the journey. And so part of um, kind of that, that next gen, that, that mentorship program that we have, we're able to, as we continue to grow and learn, because it's not like, you know, we have, you know, we have some classes, we'll do meetups, we have this mentorship program or whatever. But it's not like we're like these kind of gurus that talk about what we did 10 years ago, right? I'm going to I'm going to go on a call with everyone, tell everyone what I, what happened today. And so as we are constantly growing and learning and making new connections, our next geners are able to join us on that journey and take advantage of some of the things that Khalil's doing, the things that I'm doing, the things that are changing um, on the ground in Baltimore every day where we've kind of earned a seat at the table and we're, ele- we're able to kind of pull up chairs for our mentees and for the folks that have kind of trusted us with helping to guide them throughout their own personal journeys, which is really, really impactful. And so something that we talked about years ago, we made like a diagram of our vision of where we wanted to go. And part of that vision was to change the narrative of what investing in real estate looks like, not only in Baltimore, but all over the country. And so we talked about what that was going to look like. And part of that was sharing our story to um, kind of create these pods of people all over the country that kind of had this vision of community development and making sure that as we're investing in these properties, that we're also investing in our tenants, investing in our neighbors so that we are um, really adding value to the communities in which we invest. And so being able to share our story allows us indirectly to do that all over the country. And that's how Charm City Buyers, as it's known now, was, was born out of that conversation, out of that diagram. And so to fast forward now and to think about some of the discussions and meetings and conversations that we're having about doing exactly that and leveraging Baltimore essentially as a pilot for kind of what we see happening all over the country is mind blowing, to be completely honest. And and so it's it's funny because you only share so much on 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 Instagram, right? We can only post so many times a day. We actually have stuff to do. 
But the things that um, that we have going on behind the scenes are is really, really amazing and exciting. And we're just um, humble to take folks along with us on that journey. We are still learning. We are still growing. And it's something that, you know, we pride ourselves in being lifelong learners. And that's what, what we bring to the table. That's different from a lot of other people. We're able to to continue learning about creative strategies, creative financing strategies, OPM, all types of different things like grants. A lot of people ask us about displacement. Once you once you develop a, a block, for example, what about your neighbors? Right? How are they going to be impacted by the rising property taxes? And there's all kinds of different tax credit programs to help prevent dis displacement. We're we're at a place where things are are a lot of fun, and we are um, we're driving the conversations to make sure that people are aware of different strategies that we know about that everybody should know about, and we've got the platform to share it. Yeah, and I think what's really key here to your success and continued success is the fact that you actually care about the neighborhood and the people and the tenants and the community itself. So this is not just a way to okay come in and make a lot of money and leave or you know not care how it impacts the greater good of society, right? Like this is something that's really why I feel like everyone needs to step into their vision, whether it's real estate or not, is that when you step into what you're called to do, it opens up so many doors, like you said, Kiara, for other people to also um, benefit from your knowledge, from your success. And like you pass up a ton and you give people other opportunities to do what you're doing because they're learning from you or through you or they get inspired by you. So I, I absolutely love that. Now, you guys are pretty like busy, right? You're running a company like this company together. You have a child. I'd love to just know kind of like the mechanics of working uh, with your partner and then raising, <laughs> having a daughter. I have three kids. They're pretty young. How old is your um, daughter? She's six. Six, right. So I have a five, three and one year old. So I know the struggle. Okay. <laughs> so how do you do that all? I mean, have you, you come to a place where you have, you have help, you, you hire out because especially with the business, because you're investing back for time. What does that look like your day to day? So we yeah. moved back home to be near family and friends and, and babysitters, really. <laughs> yeah. So when we moved back to Baltimore from Connecticut, um, it was right before Michaela was born. So we moved closer to a family, closer originally from Baltimore, from Pennsylvania. But beyond that, kind of from a day-to-day -day basis, we have, we've built our team from a business perspective, right? So for, you know, assistants and people that just keep my, my life straight from a day-to-day -day basis. So we have the support there. Um, you know, on the home front, we have, uh, you know, folks that come and help run a household, right? People that come to clean and we have someone that helps meal prep and, and do those types of things. And so we're at a position now where we're trying to make sure that we're creating a space for us to manage the fact that we work really, really hard every day and that our home needs to be a sanctuary. And so I shouldn't be stressed out walking through the door. And so if that means that I need to hire someone to cook mow the grass and clean the house. And that's exactly what we need to do. Um, and also from a business perspective, having clarity on what makes sense for me to do and what makes sense to delegate and how we can build a team that understands the vision and what we're trying to accomplish, but also can execute and get stuff done. And so we are definitely at a place where optimizing our team on both the business and the home front is very important. And not only so that things can run well operationally, but also so as Khalil and I work together from a business perspective and then working together to build a life that we are able to do so clear-headed, 
right? And so when you're able to delegate things that cloud your thought process and all those types of things, it helps to relieve the stress that then can creep into your personal life when you work together with your spouse. So that's kind of one of the things that we've actually been really intentional about, um, even up until recently, to just make sure that we are um, doing the things that we need to do to make sure that things are running smoothly. So for Michaela, for example, we talk about her as the CEO of Charm City because she um, is with us all throughout the way. Um, a lot of times she's with us at our property. She knows our tenants' names. Um, she knows our houses. She knows if we're walking to a construction site, she can't touch nothing, right? And so she's very ingrained in our business. Sometimes you'll see her literally go live on Instagram by herself uh, because she is so ingrained in just what we do. And, you know, she knows all about Charm City Buyers and she knows she's the CEO and loves wearing her Charm City Buyers shirt. Um, and so we've, we've ingrained her into our business because our business is part of our life. But we also understand the importance of building a team around us to make sure that we can all be successful together. That's great. And when it comes to just now looking at financial independence, right? So this idea that if you didn't want to work ever again, right? I know you guys have some big goals, but when you think about what your future looks like, like if you can think about 10 years from now, even like sooner, like how do you see yourself in terms of using like this real estate business to reach financial independence? Like, are you technically, are you there yet? Like you could technically walk away. Are you not? quite there yet based on some goals you have? Because what if one day, you know, you decide, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. What, what does that look like for you? What does your financial freedom goal look like for you? Yeah, I think that um, I think that we decided we probably could have walked um, a while ago. But I think what we decided was that we were too young and too ambitious and had too many things that we wanted to accomplish. And so we decided to do more things that were um, a challenge like buying the block sounds cool, but it's kind of hard, right? And so we decided to do things that were going to challenge us and make us really grind and continue to grind. I think that anytime we can kind of make a decision to make a change if we wanted to, we talk all the time about taking a year to abroad or, or whatever that looks like. I just think that right now there's too much that I think we both feel like we need to accomplish to pull that lever and say, okay, let's just sit back. And I'm, I'm 30 years old, close 31, right? We're kind of young to really completely step on the brakes. And again, I think there's just so much more ahead of us. So we, we decided to kind of grind it all out rather than step on the brakes and pretend to be 70 retired. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we, we definitely, <laughs> could have left a while ago. We didn't have to start flipping. We could have stayed with our rentals and continued growing the rental portfolio slowly and, and, and efficiently. Um, even when we started the flips, we could have, we could have stopped there and, and just only done flips. It's Kiera's a hundred percent, right? Like there's, there's, there's more left. I have a friend who um, is actually an NFL player who was a private mortgage lender. And one time when he and I were talking, he just kind of threw it out there. Like, look, I want to, I want to die on E. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I want to I want to give the world everything I have. I don't want to have anything else in my gas tank. That's such a profound thing where you want to like give it all to the world. And when you die, you, you die on empty. Right. So I think that's the philosophy that both Kira and I have. Like just because we can stop doesn't mean we should stop. There's so much more. We'd be doing a disservice to ourselves yeah. and, and to our community and those around us and, and our followers and everybody if we just stopped. 
Yeah. And as you're talking, you know, at the end of the day, because for you, real estate, it wasn't a means to an end, right? So some people like they get into it because it's something they're doing so they can get to this goal, right? So they can reach this goal of financial freedom and independence. But for you, this is actually like the means like you didn't get into this for an exit, like you got into this because you really are passionate about it. And I think for everyone who's trying to reach financial independence, and financial freedom, maybe it's not real estate, maybe it is, but it's really about having options. And so you don't want to stop working because you enjoy it. You love it. You're bringing your gifts and value into this world. And I think it's on everyone to find out what that is. So whether you're using real estate for the means to the end or you want that to be the thing is that you can get to that level and give your gifts like work and it doesn't, yeah, it's work and you're working hard, but it's not like the soul draining, um, crushing kind of work that you maybe hate right now. Right. And I think what's really important, this is also why I talk about defining your goals. I think a lot of us sometimes think that the goal is money oriented, but at the end of the day, when you really get down to what it is you're trying to accomplish and why, it typically has nothing to do with money. And I think that when you don't spend the time to really define out what you're trying to accomplish and why, you'll miss that. You'll get the money and still feel unfulfilled. And I think that it's really, really critical that you take that step because sometimes the freedom that you're looking for, yes, there might be a financial aspect to it, but you still might not feel whatever it is that you think you're going to feel when you hit that goal if it's strictly dollars oriented and not tied to something so much bigger and greater to that. And it's it's crazy. You brought up a, a really good point. Like originally we we started real estate investing because it was a means to an end. There was absolutely no, like we were passionate about different things, community development, economic growth. I was 30. That yeah, was my Kiera wanted to leave her job by the time she was 30. And I, I did too. And it was one of those, it was, we, we, we had a means. We didn't know how much that cash flow looked like. We didn't know how many properties that, that meant, mm-hmm. but it was, okay, let's start investing because it's an asset. It appreciates, it brings in money, um, both cash flow as well as wealth. We can pass it down to our future kids. There, w- there was certainly a very intentional transactional relationship. Now that we finally got into it mm-hmm. at the level we, we, we are, it's you know, bigger. It's, it's bigger. We're passionate about it. It took me 30 years to really find where my true strengths are. And this real estate space opens up so many doors and it helped me find that space. Yeah. Yeah. And so you brought up something that I feel like we, I guess I just have to ask you about. So this buying the block. So can we just, if I know it's, it's going to take longer than maybe the few minutes that I want you to like talk about it in, but what does that look like? So you literally own an entire block of real estate, like how many units or actual buildings does that comprise of? Uh, I'd love to hear more about that, that part of it. Yeah. So we bought the vacant units of, of a block. Um, and we also, um, we kind of control the whole kind of area at this point, but, um, but so it started with, um, purchasing six houses, um, on a block in Baltimore and they were six vacants. And so we were able to, to take those and renovate them. Some were still renovating. Um, and really what was really important about it was that this area had been really depressed because there were some owners who had bought the property years ago, didn't pay a whole lot for them and just kind of sat on them. And so it depressed the property values of this area. And so what we did not only was getting control of, of those properties, but also help to um, bring a lot of focus and excitement about the area um, at large 
so that every other investor that comes in or kind of does things uh, right there, they usually find, get, or receive our number in some way, shape, or form. And so we kind of control a little bit of everything and become a resource um, for other investors with the goal of helping to, to rebuild the area. And so not only do we have the side of the street that we control and own physically, but kind of the whole area is really pushed and motivated and driven by by us, whether we own it or not. We're very much involved in the commercial development in the area, in the residential, in the community association, for-profit, non-profit, uh, public sector. It's it's very much a, a all-inclusive deep dive into this specific area, which makes it um, a home for us. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's more, it's, it's less, we got to a point very quickly where it was less about individual properties and more about community development. So we're not just renovating a house, we're developing a community. Right. And then I would say probably with, well, recent, depending on when this episode comes out, just like the press around like Baltimore and rehabilitating the depressed housing there and what the community actually looks like, then I'm sure that this, what you're doing is a major service um, to your community. Yeah, definitely. I think they're excited, right? We come in, we have a lot of energy, we have a lot of fun, which definitely helps. Um, and it's it's adding value and it's adding the value that this neighborhood and the city really needs. Right. All right. So thank you so much, guys, for coming on and being just open, sharing your story and giving so much insight. So what real estate investing can look like for some people. Now, can you just share where people can find out more about you, follow you if they want to learn more? Yes, definitely. So you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's Charm City Buyers. Um, You can also check us out at CharmCityBuyers.com. And I'm sure we can probably share some things with you guys as listeners. If you guys want to learn more about us or from us or through us, um, share some resources to do that. Right. I'll get all that, some links, and I'll put that in episode show notes. So thank you so much again, guys. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really hoped you enjoyed that conversation with Kiara and Khalil and that especially if you are interested in real estate, that you see that this is possible. You know, they started really small without knowing anything and because they were determined and they were willing to take risk and to learn, they were able to accomplish so many things. And that really can be the reality for you too. And really, if it's not even real estate that you're interested in, let's just say not everyone's meant to own or be an investor in real estate, I think you can take the principles that they applied to learning about real estate to anything in your life, whether it's your corporate career or investing of something else or even just building a business. So hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, let me know. So tag me at Journey to Launch. That's where you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Screenshot it. Share it on your stories. If you share it with your family and friends, like honestly, that's the best way that this podcast grows. I appreciate that so much. The biggest thing that has been helping Journey to Launch has been word of mouth. Literally, it's someone saying you need to check out this podcast. It's telling a friend or coworker or family member who you know needs to hear this information. And maybe if you share it with them, they're not just ready yet. I've had that happen where someone would say, uh, you know, my friend was telling me about the podcast for a long time, but I was kept putting it off. And then I finally like listened and listened. And I'm so happy that I did. So sometimes it may 
may take a while for people to catch on. It's okay. I think in general, sharing knowledge, sharing wealth is important because it all starts with knowledge and thoughts, right? Like our thoughts become eventually things if we act upon them. But first we need to have the ideas. And so I think sharing ideas like this are super important. So you have somebody in your life that needs to be inspired that you know this can benefit, share it with them. Again, if you want the episode show notes, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 134. And then you're listening to this on like Apple Podcasts or another listening app, you should actually see a link to take you to the show notes. But in general, I always say this because I'm always surprised at how many people don't know how to listen to podcasts. But if you are listening to this on an Apple phone, that's that purple app. So you have a purple app on your phone. It's the podcast app. You can directly subscribe and listen to the podcast that way. And you can literally listen to this podcast anywhere. And so that's on your Android phone or on YouTube even, or even on the website. So just want to make sure that I'm making it accessible for everyone. If you want to listen, there's a way for you to listen. All right. So I'll be back next week with another amazing conversation and episode. And until then, Keep on journeying, journeyers. 